0: Hey listeners, welcome on back to the Command Edit Podcast this week, episode number 30 of the two, 32. Uh, we are doing a bit of a, a quick switch-up episode today because we have a guest who was going to be coming on tonight, however, as it's very common for a lot of people this month, uh, illness struck them down and they weren't really, uh, they actually said that they had a very, uh, their, their illness gave them a really good radio voice. So I was actually going to say, yeah, game on, but uh, rather than bring someone sick on the show, you know, uh, I, I'd rather get them when they're high in spirits and when they're all gung-ho to do it, so at 100%. So we're going to delay that for the time being. So what are we going to talk about uh, this episode, Josh? Uh,
1: I think we're going to talk about our worst gigs that we've ever uh, that we've ever had.
0: Horror stories from the editing bay. Yeah. And yeah. of course, in a constructive way there's a there's a fun entertaining side to telling the worst of the worst experiences that we've ever had but it's also good to know that some silver lining has come out of it a lesson learned
1: yeah so I think uh, Nick and I we have a handful of uh, stories um, I mean mine range from production and post-production um, and uh, you know we have a, a moral to each of our stories at least at least I do
0: and to protect the innocent, Names have been changed or obscured, faces blurred out. You know.
1: Oh, not for me, not for me. I'm calling out everybody.
0: <laughs> oh, you're burning bridges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got the gas out and dousing it over the bridge. Like, nope, this this sucker's going down. Uh, well, i have the. There are a few people that, uh, and, and when I when I say bad experiences as well, I'm not sure uh, if you mean the same thing. Uh, very, I've had very few experiences where uh, I would blame it. You know, solely on an individual person or some people involved in that project. So, some people, uh, it shouldn't offend people when you say this was the most difficult shoot or a difficult production ever. Uh, In fact, at some times in my life, some of the best productions have had like the best people that I have still friendships to this day with and hold them in very high regard. But the circumstances of the production were like Vietnam, and it was absolutely terrible. So, like case in point, a few years ago, Drownsman. This is I'm not gonna. This isn't a story to go into at all. But it was just in short, everybody on the shoot agreed was it was like Apocalypse Now, and you know, shooting a horror movie all about water, you know, in the winter time, one of the coldest winters to date, on sets with no insulation or anything like that. It was just, you know, disaster of, you know, uh, of a perfect storm proportions. But uh, that, you know, to say it was a crappy production, that it, you know, it, was a, it was a bad time, doesn't mean anything towards the people. The people are awesome. So please, if you recognize yourself in one of these stories, we're not talking about you. <laughs> or maybe Josh's, I don't know.
1: All right. Uh, should we jump into some stories?
0: Absolutely. And, uh, and, and first off, we do know one of our listeners, they've reached out to us and shared a bit of uh, what's going on in their career recently. They've got an opportunity to get ahead, and they confided in us and asked us some questions, uh, asked us our opinion of what we thought of this particular opportunity handed to them, and whether or not it was a good idea. Uh, So I guess they had some mixed emotions. So this also stems to that particular listener, We hope that uh, maybe there's also some sage advice perhaps you can glean from these stories that perhaps will help you in your decision making or our listeners who inevitably will get that first big gig that may not be under the perfect circumstances, i.e. may not pay well or at all or may involve a big move or something and you have mixed emotions about taking it. So... Yeah, we're going to try and gear that to that particular listener. So this one's for you.
1: Yes, in all of our stories, we have uh, hidden meanings and uh, secret metaphors uh, that you have to figure out for yourself.
0: Mine's got an M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end. Oh, okay. Not really. But anyways, uh, you probably got more than me. So why don't we start with you, Josh?
1: Uh, Sure. So uh, my first story is actually about production. Um, I was already a a senior video editor. Uh, I actually got that position very young you know I was only not even I was a few months out of college you know so I I was already kind of ahead of the game for editing but for production I didn't feel as competent so uh, I took a free PA gig uh, for this local movie that was being shot Uh, and I'd I'd never been on a a quote-unquote real movie set before and to this day I've not been on another one uh, because I had well, when, you, a, when you
0: say a real movie set, like what 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 do you mean by real movie set? Uh, I get
1: yeah, a, a real movie set. You know, it's the stuff that you edit. Uh, I call those <laughs> real movies. Uh, not not something made, you know, just for Vimeo or YouTube. You know, something that's going out for distribution, being played in theaters. I, I call that a real movie. Okay, cool. cool, cool, cool. So uh, so I I showed up like day one and. I already got the sense that I knew more than half the people there. And I know like every production assistant goes in, like thinking that I know more than, than everybody here, blah, blah, blah. But like, I actually think that I did like, like they weren't taping cables down and, and it, it was like everything was a mess. And so, you know, day one, like sat there, I think I like painted something. And it's like okay, you know, whatever, cool, kind of meeting people. You know, I'm I'm a hard worker. I'll do whatever it is you know that needs to be done. Uh, and then day two, and remind you, I'm working you know 45, 50 hours a week at this point, and this is my Saturday. Uh, and then you know the next weekend comes, uh, and I'm there Saturday morning, and and I like sit there all day, and they get like one shot done, and I'm just standing there, and and it's just blowing my mind how inefficient everything's running and uh i decided nope that's it for me you know like like six seven months later i'm still on uh like the the email distribution list getting updates and everything and and they're like running behind with everything and cutting budgets and and all this stuff and the whole thing was a mess Uh, i mean i was getting emails like maybe two years later that it finally got done i don't even know if it ever went to theater, mm. I don't know. So uh, I, I wrote down my moral. What was it? Um, oh yes, I learned to to pick my opportunities carefully, not just to jump at anything. Um, <laughs> I, I I know that like 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 being being young and, and being a young editor or being young, uh, you know, videographer, whatever you are, um, you want to jump at everything, but not necessarily everything will give you experience, you know, standing there on a set, uh, doing absolutely nothing. Uh, it did not give me any experience that, you know, you know, my time could have been better spent doing other things.
0: I can also hear the voice of some PAs out there who, or some people who got started pa who may be saying, Hey, you know what? You got to put in your time. And, well, and then- no, you know, I
1: completely agree. I mean, I've pa would on a million shoots, but I mean, this- shoot for a quote unquote real movie just made me learn that not every job was worth taking.
0: A real movie that ended up disappearing. Yep. <laughs> Man and I can actually relate to that. I hear stories from other fellow filmmakers, uh, this was back in the day, but who would uh, you know jump at the chance, jump on opportunity as soon as it strikes. you know don't hesitate uh, strike while the iron's hot and if you see an opportunity, you seize an opportunity. And it works out well for them. That opportunity happens to be, you know, a union shoot with a healthy budget that leads to a yellow brick road of success for them. If you take away that lesson, if you take away the, the lesson of, well, you just need to, you know, when you see your opportunity, just reach out and grab it. Don't ask questions. Just go for it. And then the next time you do that, if anybody, well, any production comes along and says, yeah, we're looking for somebody, I'll do it. And it turns out to be a shite movie with, with, nothing to learn nothing to take away from it
1: well I, I mean I do think yeah you need to say yes like especially you know early on in your career you need to say yes to you know as many opportunities as you can but you know I do think you know every once in a while you know that opportunity isn't necessarily right and you need to pass on it
0: if you say yes to absolutely every single production yeah you're gonna work on a lot of really crappy stuff and you're not gonna learn anything you're gonna get you're gonna become bitter from it unless You can take something away from that production. If there's some good networking opportunities, someone to connect with on that shoot, then absolutely go with that. Uh, You actually jogged another memory of mine. I only had two stories to share. This is a mini one. It's the pits. It's absolutely terrible. Plus, it's also one that I I can myself, like you, get the gasoline can out and douse on it. Because A, I know for a fact that none of these people will ever be listening to a podcast with my name on it. And also, uh, actually, I don't even think they know what a podcast is. Uh, and also, B, I'm not exactly interested in working with them ever. So that, that bridge is burnt and, you know, it's, it's dust, uh, you know, ages ago. But uh, years ago, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, uh, I had an opportunity somebody who knew me my name but didn't know me directly reached out to me and said, I've got this production that I'm starting up. I need a lot of really talented people. Uh, I saw your name. I've seen you around. I've gotten references. I've seen you attached to other projects. Would you like to be on board? I said, sure. And likewise, I'd heard of this individual, thought they're, I think this is the first narrative project that they were doing. They've done a lot of shiny commercial stuff, but still really good looking stuff. And so I showed up for the pre-production meeting. It wasn't even a pre-production meeting. It was a, uh, let's show up, way before script is finalized, or we have funding, or anything like that. That was just a preemptive meet. Uh, A whole crew of people I've never worked with before, some really good people that I sensed were really talented and I would look forward to working with them, Uh, I showed up and I basically asked, what do you want me to do? Because we actually went around the table and everybody else had a job but me. And by this point, I'm an experienced, I'll say, I'm an experienced videographer, cinematographer, I know I can, you know, do you want me as a camera operator? I can do that. Do you want me as an editor or to do some visual effects? Like, I can do that. And the short called for a lot of this. But uh, as we ran on the table, you know, everybody said, like, hi, I'm the camera operator. I'm the DP. I'm the gaffer. I'm this. I'm that. I'm the other thing. I'm makeup. And then it came to me and I said, I actually don't know. What do you want me to do? And the director who contacted me said, well, we'll figure that out. (laughs) And I thought, cool, cool. Like, hey, they've got a DP. They've got... Two or three camera operators, like a a very healthy camera team, they'll find a place for me and it'll be cool uh, doing something that I like doing. Months later, and it's been, it goes through a crowdfunding campaign, gets funded. And before it was being said, you know, we may have to work for free. Is everybody cool? Cool. It gets crowdfunded. Doesn't change anything. Everybody's still working for free. Okay, whatever. I don't know where the money's going towards, but equipment sure all that good stuff and it uh, comes up to I think like a week away from production and I still don't know what my goddamn job is and I've asked them over and over again the clearest answer I've gotten is well we just want you to be kind of a general all over the place PA gaffer ninja (laughs) that's a quote ninja was definitely in that role which anybody would think well that's pretty cool but to me that was it's a, not, not something I want to do B, I'm volunteering my time So I better be doing something I want to do And also C, have me do something That I'm experienced at Right. So anyways uh, It was about a week away And I got an opportunity for another job That came up that was over that weekend I made a difficult decision and called him up And I said it's, it's a week away I'm a, I, I don't even have a role So it's not going to completely mess up Production you know, they're not really going right. to miss me. So I, I, emailed them and I said, "Sorry guys, uh, I, you know, I have to say I'm, I'm bowing out. I've got this other job opportunity, but good luck. And I know you're going to do really, really well." They call me up in a panic, and they say, "No, no, 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 you can't leave. What are you doing? What are you doing?" And I said, "What? What? What's the problem? Like you said, I was like a PA something ninja. Like, you know, what's the big deal?" And, uh, and, and they said, "No, no, no, we need you. We, we absolutely need you on this production." I said, doing what? And they said, well, we were gonna have you boom up. I told them, I haven't boom up a day in my life. And why would you even tell me that, like now? Like why didn't you tell me that before? Like I've never even held a boom before. Like wh- that that doesn't make any sense. And anyways, it just it the whole thing kind of started to, to stink. And so I said, sorry guys, no, I'm out. I've got a paid job doing something I like doing and wine all you want you guys have a very healthy production team i'm not leaving you high and dry and uh i still felt bad because i wanted to work with some of those people involved they went on and had a great production uh there were some bitter feelings still and i was still a little confused but uh i guess i should have made that call early early on uh it was still a week away i and i i still felt bad about uh ducking out but uh Ultimately, I think the production had a number of problems anyway, so it was probably a good mm-hmm. call.
1: What what what's your main takeaway from that whole experience?
0: I don't know. I'm struggling to find a, a main takeaway from this, but
1: you just you just wanted to get it off your chest.
0: It was well, you jogged my memory of it. Really, um, I hadn't thought of it. I buried it, repressed that memory up until now, and I really don't know what what the takeaway for that is. Um, you know, try to sense, uh, you know, when a production isn't right for you, uh, because, you know, on the, on the one hand, get out there and befriend new people and work for new crews. And, you know, that's, it it almost was a great experience. Um, but I really didn't like how they weren't being specific enough about what my role and responsibilities were going to be. I don't like things that are vague like that. In fact, I always like things in writing in some way just so that each party is on the same page it's Mm -hmm. you know know, those agreements that i sign it's not so i can legally you know take you to court if you violate something it's it's less about protection for me it's more about communication so you know communicate what you want from me what my responsibilities are going to be so i can do those and Hmm. you know make that communication as clear as clear as like the clearest water in the caribbean so there you go so Pull that right so, on my ass.
1: So uh, sometimes, uh, at least for me in, in the corporate, you know, employed world, uh, I can't pick and choose my projects. Uh, I'm going to have to work on something regardless. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, a few years ago, I had this, you know, training course I was doing, and it was actually it was a new kind of training course from our usual training courses, you know, our, our standard courses that are like, we call them five, they were five segments and each one's about five minutes long. So of course is like, you know, 25 to 30 minutes, um, in five little chunks. So this time, uh, the course is like an hour long, but in like 30 second chunks, They're doing it all a different way on the, on the computer, you know, afterwards and trying to make it interactive and all these other things to so do it completely different. So, um, you know, Instead of, you know, five files at the end, I have a hundred that I gotta put together and keep organized and label and just all this stuff, you know, interact with our voiceover guy, you know, cause he has to give me, you know, a hundred individual clips or give me, you know, something that's, you know, two hours long that I gotta chop up and all this stuff. And the whole thing was a nightmare. Um, like, I, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, that project was still going on by the time I had left and I've been working on that project for a year and a half. So like, like the whole thing, like communication with the client and like all these, you know, different, all anything imaginable, like negative that could happen to a project happened to this thing. Um, so, I mean, uh, long story short. Um, yes, it was completely awful to do. However, I did, you know, put some systems in place, and I got really good at doing, you know, these tedious keyboard shortcuts. Uh, so, you know, just add edit, move things down, you know, all, all this stuff. <laughs> uh, so I did get good at that. It was good practice, even though I did, you know, do it probably 10,000 more times than I needed to. Wow.
0: I, see, I sense a lot of lessons learned on that one. <laughs> About well, how, I, how to hack your workflow and, and avoid obstructions like that. I was going to say, uh, so for those of you listeners, if you're not already in uh, in on our Facebook group, the Command Edit Podcast Facebook group, then you're missing out on some really cool shit. And likewise, if you don't follow us on Twitter, there's some really entertaining stuff that gets posted, like the still that I just posted of Josh telling his story. So uh, Josh, you started an awkward little game now because uh, you posted a behind the back. scenes... Screen capture of recording, and while I noticed that you were perfectly posed and looked very charming and nice, I was mid-syllable, so I had this goofy-ass face on. So okay,
1: that was the first time. The second time, I took like <laughs> four screenshots, and I chose the best one for all three of us. Well, so I took
0: one and just posted it without checking
1: it. So, so I, I've been doing this new thing on a, on my tutorials for edit video faster, where I put my you know, I capture um, the webcam, you know, while I record the tutorial and then I put right. myself like in the top right corner. Uh, so like when I grab a thumbnail, I have to grab like eight of them, you know, uh, command shift three, command shift three, command shift three um, while it's playing. Uh, then I got to pick the best one. And I, I mean, I can never find one that works. <laughs>
0: It's a, I, I tweeted it without even thinking about it without looking and then I looked at it afterwards and honestly I think it's of your best side Josh it's you, you look particularly uh, words can't describe so if you want to find what uh, what nice awkward still that I just uh, posted and the game continues I'm sure this is going to pass back and forth then you can follow us on Twitter at command edit or jump on into our group on Facebook uh, the command edit podcast Facebook group it's really really easy to get in like membership is nil all you have to do is ask so yeah and there's a bunch of great people in there who like to have great discussions about post-production and kind of lighten the mood every once in a while so go ahead and check that out uh all
1: right your story you're up
0: my story all right there's a uh which one am i gonna i'm going for this particular listener who reached out to us i wanted to actually go into that uh, that that earlier the Vietnam esque story uh, the the first feature that I did say yes to, which wasn't so much of a uh, like I already said it was a bad uh, horrible circumstances, great production lots learned great connections made, uh, everybody involved in the production thinks the same thing it's almost like the the worst of production the better the family of filmmakers come together and the better, you know, you've once you've been through a horrible experience, you kind of bond a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, even to this day, we kind of like, if we go out to have a drink in a bar or something like that, we just kind of sigh to each other and say, ah, oh, yeah, that movie. Whew. Man. So, uh, but it was a fantastic experience. Wouldn't trade the world for it. Um, and I can even name it. It, it is the, the movie The Drownsman. It was my very first feature that I got on. Hell of an experience, and also set me on my path for editing features, which I'm currently on now. So, uh, so that being said, anybody involved in the production who's listening to it, I'm not bad-mouthing it. I'm just saying, it's it was a hell to go through. But also, in particular, it was the first feature that had ever been offered, and at the time, the offer that came in, to me, I had no... Basis for what, uh, no com- no basis or comparison for what a feature should be should offer in terms of compensation. Uh, what should be offered for you know what what demands do I need to get the job done during production? What do I need after production? Uh, that that sort of thing. There was no foundation in place, and they knew that as well. They knew that I was a an, an experienced editor. But with no features under my belt, so they knew what what uh, they were getting. But uh, I won't say numbers, but what they did offer, if you offered to a feature editor, you know, w- with like three to five credits and a few years' experience, today, it would. It's not insulting, but they would probably say mm, no. You know, so the me today would not say yes to that. But then again, I'm me today, and I've got more features now. So at the time, it was the perfect opportunity for me. Um, It was a little bit of pay for a lot of time, uh, great experience, and at the time, I had no one to turn to to ask for advice on, is this a good good idea, should I go for this, or am I setting myself up to get screwed? So ultimately, like I said, it was a, a hell of a production. I had never edited on site like during production, and that was my first experience with it, and it bit me like a bug, and immediately I was hooked on this whole idea of editing during production. Look at the benefits, this is amazing. So lots of good came from it, but uh, even the jobs that sound like they're gonna be grueling or hellish, or even if you have no idea what's ahead of you, it's just a gray fog of, I've never Tried this before. I've never been offered this type of job. Uh, yeah, it's a gamble, but good things can come from it as well. So at the time, all I was thinking was, what's being offered for compensation is going to cover my, you know, it'll it will allow me to survive. So I'm not going to cripple myself, worst case scenario, by taking this on and having it all go go to hell. So if uh, if it's worth it in your mind, and also. I know that if I had reached out to a veteran feature editor at the time and said this is the job opportunity I have, they would have advised me to not take it because of th- reasons like you know oh you, you shouldn't jump right into f- editing a feature you should assist and edit for someone else start you know get training wheels on first and get your feet wet then work yourself up to something as big as this or by accepting a lower comp- uh, uh, you know a, a slightly lower than average compensation, you're screwing up the market or something like that, that whole thing where if you're undercutting the market, then you know, you're know you actually hurting it for other people who work in that industry. So it's kind of a good thing that I didn't have anybody to ask. But ultimately, like I said, you know, wouldn't trade for the world. Best experience uh, once we got through it. And I actually think I got the better end of the deal because there were a number of days where the crew were outside in the bitter cold, setting up rigs shooting till four in the morning freezing cold some of them forced to be wet because they had to be soaked and uh, meanwhile the only cold i sometimes got exposed to was when i walked outside to take my ipad over to to the director to show scenes and i would sometimes walk out without a jacket and go it's a little cold out here all right i'm going back inside see you guys so kind of felt like a dick sometimes too
1: well, I don't know what just happened because I've been spending the past uh, like six minutes trying to get a picture of you. I know as I lost playback. you. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell
0: you're not paying attention.
1: So no, I, no, was actually, no, I... Uh,
0: I was actually, I was actually going to go into, like he's clearly not uh, not paying attention here. I've lost him. I should just start spouting off on, and then we obtained the Therodian crystals and blasted off towards the Thythudian galaxy. To, so that we could uh, retake the planet Quackdar from the evil forces and, uh, yeah, to see what I can get away with.
1: Have you done a uh, space sci-fi movie before?
0: No, man, would love to. Yeah? Yeah, why?
1: Uh, I don't know. That's that, that good, you know, off-the-cuff <laughs> off, off, off the cuff, uh, sci-fi uh, story.
0: Right, I think the world is poised for a, a B-movie sci-fi, a C-movie, let's say. I will not even say B-movie. Yeah. But. Uh, Well,
1: uh, giving yourself too much credit.
0: If I hate the world enough one day, I'll write something. I'll write my sci-fi.
1: All right, so I just have uh, one last story. Hopefully, I won't lose uh, lose Nick. Uh, So uh, this is um, a few years ago. um, My production manager also had the job of archiving all of our old uh, tapes from our company's. all like the meetings and annual uh, conferences they put on every year, um, converting them over from tape to DVD and labeling and uh, filing everything away. Uh, so he kind of roped me in on that. Um, and at the beginning, like I hated it uh, because, you know, I just sit there, you know, every afternoon after lunch, you know, we, we'd go into our little duplication room and set up the, DVD player and, and kind of cue up the tapes and write everything down and it was really really annoying. <laughs> um, but but after every day of doing that for like a year, you know, we actually we ended up having a really good relationship. Uh, you know, because you know it's mind numbing work, so we can talk, you know, through stuff and about life and whatnot, and you know he you know kind of treating me like a son. I was about his son's age. You know, just tell me stories and, and, and whatnot. Um, and also, like, this all the footage that we had to go through, all these tapes, I mean, we probably had 75, 80, 90 boxes, like, boxes of tapes that we had to go through. Tapes, and what just, are
0: those?
1: <laughs> just doing, like, one or two a day, little by little. Uh, after a year, I mean, like, we, we were almost... Done with everything. We and we didn't know what to do with ourselves. So um, I guess my big takeaways was that if if you're if you're if you do something just a little bit every day uh, and you stick with it, you can get a lot done uh, without even realizing it.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Uh, so. my last story, I will say, this one took years off my life. <laughs> and uh also the client in particular uh went through a bit of a transformation which uh which if you knew this person again this this is also one of the one of the coolest people i've ever known so this says nothing about the client or the people involved uh but the production at the time man did it suck uh we were once, and when I say we, the, the crew that I used to work with uh, a number of years ago. So this is, these are stories going back years and years. So I think like the statute of limitations is definitely up on them. But uh, we were contacted by a local entertainer in town. Uh, to make it fun, I'll keep his description really brief. He was a, uh, li- a, a career uh, accountant who decided to become a children's entertainer. There we go. Like Rafi you know who Raffi is?
1: I have no clue what Raffi is. You damn American.
0: Uh, Raffi's Canadian. Do you know Sharon Lillis and Bram?
1: No. No? Oh,
0: they're Canadian too. I actually don't I know also any di- American kids entertainers. I also
1: didn't really watch uh, kids programming. What did you growing watch up? growing up? I, I saw like G.I. Joes and X-Men and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Even
0: before all that? Like... <laughs> I- any no, any any kids I, entertainers that like you know they do like the song and dance and like like oh.
1: like like Barney like no kind of
0: no. like, kind of like Barney Barney was yeah yeah kind of like Barney but think real life and uh, a little bit more manageable for the stomach, but this no, guy no. Uh, well he was a, a kid, children's entertainer so he was this delightful guy uh, great personality who just liked to you know play the guitar he wrote his own songs and he entertained kids. Uh, and he went to kids' parties, and he really knew how to command the room of kids, which infinite patience is required for a job like that, let me tell you. Uh, you know, that's like taking all the struggle of performing for a crowd and babysitting, basically, and putting it into one. Anyways, he contacted, uh, he contacted us because he wanted to get into the DVD market. He wanted to be done a number of... Uh, album so far and he said you know what I really want to do a DVD to offer to the family of these kids that uh, that are my fans uh, so he contacted us I believe we did one or two DVD, uh, DVD f- DVDs for him where a lot of it was we sh- went on location shot some live footage we followed him around all over the place uh, we also brought him into the studio we did some green screen stuff which at the time I knew nothing about so when we shot it, I thought, well, I'll figure out how to do this later. So, it was also a fantastic learning experience. And, uh, it was a lot of dealing with kids and, you know, resetting sets and having to, you know, make kids laugh and dance and, okay, you know, okay, you know, be, be, hey, be happy for the camera. Hey, please, stop crying. I, I know, I know you're hungry, but please dance! And, uh, when it came to the post-production of it, I did all the, uh, the motion graphics, the green screen uh, compositing and I authored the DVD, which I hate. I absolutely hate. Yeah. No, with a passion, authoring DVDs. And I never did them often enough to get good at them. So whenever... Did,
1: uh, did you use uh, whatever the Apple DVD uh, I used DVD, DVD, DVD Studio was?
0: Pro because yeah. I'd heard... Yeah. Uh, because I heard that the other one... I can't remember what the other application. There were basically two programs, and I heard that the other one sucked. Uh, the Adobe one. Uh, Encore? Uh, or...
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, that's a program.
0: It's it's, it. it's a program. I don't know if it's uh, if it's the authoring program. Uh, anyways, long story short, uh, so post production was. This is also encroaching on winter. We had set a deadline, not knowing what was involved. We, we didn't know what we were doing really uh, with this with this DVD authoring, and uh, so we said, "Yeah, we'll have it ready by Christmas." So Christmas is literally around the corner. I think it was actually like December 23rd, and I'm still, I'm I'm pulling 18 hour days. I'm living at my desk to get this done. Myself and the sound guy, uh, and uh, we had a third person working on it as well. We're all exhausted, it's blistering cold outside. We just wanna go home to our families and enjoy vacation, but we've committed to getting this done for them. He is being so nice. He's the nicest person. Like, you know, he doesn't drink or swear or anything like that. We had him swearing by the end of it. And, and not, not necessarily at us, but just like at life. And I even remember like we were getting so – we were so exhausted towards the end of it that uh, I was the final step. Uh, I, you know, just authoring the DVD and burning it was the final step. That uh, once I thought that I had it done, I wouldn't test or anything like that. I just – thought like okay i think it's working so i would call him up december 23rd 6 p.m hey get on over here come pick up this dvd i'm setting it to burn right now it'll be done by the time you get here he drives on over through the snow he walks in and then we choose to pop the dvd into the dvd player and play it crap this doesn't work. work go home so he goes <laughs> home i spent another four hours fixing it you know redoing it i again hated authoring dvds and because they so rarely worked so well and so anyways i think it happened like four or five more times where i thought i had it done i would call him up and say hey for real come on over come pick it up he'd drive over and like he either just get in the door or he'd almost be there and i i call him and say false alarm go back home not done yet that pissed him off so much and that was really a part of me that i learned like i need to kick that 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 once it's done you gotta test it the hell out everything exhausted even at that stage in production where we were at the point of almost not caring but that definitely took years off my life because we were all so stressed and ready to snap at each other we just wanted this done and it's even the worst when you're dealing with this material that it's it's like you know Uh, five little monkeys jumping on the bed, like you know those types of songs that that they're playing. So it's it's like Barney content, happy and joyous and bubbly, but you just want to punch the screen because you're so angry. It's a mixture of emotions. So I don't know what the hell to take away from that. But if 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 Barney ever calls you up to do a DVD, just run for the hills.
1: Um. Uh. So I didn't have I didn't have a Mac. You know, years ago I had a a. HP, you know, uh, Z something Z 800. Anyway. Uh, so I didn't have DVD studio pro. I only had Avid DVD and I mean, it took me like three years to finally figure that program out. And, uh, yeah, I, I I will say I did master it, but there were so many like tiny little workflow things, like just the littlest things to remember every time you, Went in the program, oh, the project makes, yeah. settings, like edit this, edit that, setting, go back. And when you insert a media, you got to do it this specific way. And then you have to change the frame to this specific thing. And, you know, it took years of doing it, but I finally mastered it. And nobody else, nobody else knew how to do it.
0: Man, that like it always seemed like if I can just get good at this, like I don't know anyone else who is good at this. So, A, I can't pawn the work off to this to anyone else. But also, if I get good at this, I'll get all the work. But I also, I also didn't want to put in the time to get good at it. Uh, yeah, Studio Pro was a oh, it was a garbage program, in my experience. Because it, it, again, I didn't go through the traditional channels of actually, uh, you know, learning how to use it. I opened it and learned by doing. <laughs> Definitely not the way to go about it for that program because there were little little idiosyncrasies with that program. Like whenever you brought in uh whenever you brought in footage if you brought in if you imported a certain type of footage uh you know in a certain way or something like that for some reason it'll show up on the timeline uh out of sync with the audio exactly two frames each and every single time and it just baffled my mind and it was just little 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 things like that that uh Mm -hmm. i just oh I'm so glad I never, ever, ever have to deal with authoring a DVD. If anyone is listening to this and contacts me and wants me to author a DVD, I will laugh so hard.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, go over to our Facebook group. We're gonna—I uh, will start a thread about uh, authoring DVD uh, nightmares and what software you used to use or maybe still use. Who even uh, uses if you DVDs
0: want. anymore? Like
1: I, some people use DVDs. I, I have. Uh, freelance projects that I edit, edit in four by three. I
0: stopped buying DVDs, like DVD movies, just because, like I can't. I have so many of them that I don't even watch. It's so close to being a dead format, and uh, yeah,
1: I. It's not dead yet. Not dead yet,
0: but it's definitely limping. Mm. So limping, oh, yeah,
1: right. it's wounded.
0: But that's yeah. for it's for another so, episode. In my in in my. Realm, it's uh, it's less about DVD authoring, and now it's all about uh, uh, digital cinema packets packages, DCPs, which are still a thing that I would like to do more of because I know that I, I like DVD authoring. I this is good. This is history repeating itself. Like DVD authoring, there's very few people around here that do it uh, for like the indie productions. The big studio houses do it, but they cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So if Apparently, it, uh, all it takes is you can do it in Premiere and you know, if you can figure it out, then you get a lot of business. But man, I'm, I'm probably going to hate that too. Ugh. So anyways, that's our episode 32, our makeup episode because of uh, our sick sick guest who will be on for next week's episode. So come on back and stay tuned for uh, what we originally programmed, which was a, a lot, uh, a lot of fun so uh, and also listen to our past episode we've uh, had we're getting a little addicted to ha- inviting guests on this show uh, Shane Lewis from ReRes was on our episode uh, 31 and spilled a whole bunch of secrets about uh, YouTube how you can set up your channel for success to gather a huge audience of subscribers to keep on coming back rack up that view count and who knows make a few quick bucks from some ad revenue uh, on the side so anyways go back and listen to that uh, he's a fantastic speaker uh, uh, in uh, uh, otherwise where else can people find us Josh
1: uh, on Twitter at uh, command edit uh, you can send us an email uh, at command edit podcast at gmail.com our website command edit podcast dot com and, uh, um, yeah.
0: but I would love to hear uh, since we've told you lots of stories of our worst experience uh, misery loves company we want you to send your worst experiences to us and of course you know the rules of you know clients from health stories applies here uh, if you feel like sharing the story then by all means please do we would love to see it we won't share it with anybody but uh, we just want to read it uh, and by all means change the identities of people involved so that you're not exactly naming people specifically uh, but uh, it would be fun just to share some uh rotten stories of uh, of uh, uh, bad experiences and bad pro- projects that you've worked on And the lessons lessons you learned from it. Of course, of course. I
1: hope hope we we did that a little bit, at least today.
0: I think I mostly vented, but hey, that's... Venting, there's my ultimate takeaway lesson. Venting feels good. It's good for the soul. Yeah. Anyways, thank you for tuning in, plugging us into your ears. We really do appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed to us, please do so. Until next time, I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. And you're you. See you next time.